Before I start the message, I'd just like to say how much I appreciate the ministry of Omaha Bible Church and the encouragement that I received um, from Pastor Pat and the elders and those uh, other friends that I know that are here. Uh, one of the things that I'm always uh, reminded of when I think of Omaha Bible Church, especially the times that I've been able to meet uh, with, Pat, uh, with Pastor Pat, is I come away uh, with the times that I spend with him always wanting to be a better pastor, always wanting to be a better preacher. He just uh, is just a dear brother. I don't get to spend a whole lot of time with him, but the times that I do uh, have been uh, great. The thing I appreciate about uh, this church as well and its ministry is uh, the commitment that you have that extends beyond your own church. Uh, into the, the smaller churches in, in the area and the resources that you make available uh, to help other ministries. And, and he, he has even uh, impacted our family indirectly uh, when, you, you of course know Eric Raymond, he was, I believe, here last week, uh, was part of this church, is now at Emmaus. Uh, but my son-in-law now is there, and he was part of the residency program. And uh, we have just been praising the Lord that he's had that opportunity. So so the the... Ministry keeps going uh, in all kinds of different directions and different ways from, from uh, the effect of the ministry of this church, so we're so grateful um, for that. <clears throat> the passage that I want to look at today is found in uh, Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I'll be preaching from the New American Standard. Please stand with me as we we read God's Word. A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his children and and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength to perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his, his host, you who serve him, doing his will. 
Bless the Lord, all you, his works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and goodness. Lord, we thank you for your word and the encouragement that we receive from this passage of Scripture. And I pray that you will help us this morning to mine um, the treasure that, that is found here, and especially as we, we find them ultimately in the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, we commit ourselves to you and ask that this time would result in your glory and the benefit to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Some psalms, uh, as you know, are directed to God as a direct description of his greatness and his goodness in worship. Some are spoken to others and exhortations of, of praise and worship to, to focus our attention on God. In this psalm, the psalmist is speaking uh, primarily to himself, at least uh, throughout most of it, he's speaking to himself. He's exalting himself or exhorting himself to do something. And in this psalm, uh, what we see is a, is a biblical model of preaching to ourselves. It's a, it's a biblical model of how we are to take these great truths of Scripture, uh, of God's grace and mercy, and how we are to constantly remind ourselves throughout the course of our day of these truths, to encourage our souls, to keep us focused in our relationship with God. There are primarily three major sections of, the, of this psalm. The first one is, is where David is, is exhorting, exhorting himself uh, to praise or bless the Lord um, with all that is within him, with the depths of his soul, because of the many benefits that he receives because of God's gracious activity toward him. The second part is the larger section, is 6 through 18, is, is that David um, grounds these benefits in the, in the work of God. It's what God has done. This is the basis for, for the benefits. This is the basis for the self-exhortation that we see in the first five verses. And then finally, as a result of all of these wonderful truths, he now expands the exhortation to include the angels and all of creation to join with him in blessing the Lord and praising the Lord. So let's just look at the, the first uh, few verses here. And uh, we have immediately the exhortation, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. There we have uh, two commands, to, to bless the Lord and to not forget. So in the beginning, it's the, it's the bless, or maybe your translation says praise the Lord. It, it is a, a direction of, of reminding or ex- exhorting our souls to praise the Lord, to worship. And uh, it is part of this is the, from the very depths of our soul uh, we are to do this. All that is within me. So we are to, in, in remembering what God has done and all the benefits, uh, we're to use that to stir up our affections for God. We're to uh, think about these things and, and to use it to encourage our, our souls in the midst of our everyday life. And yet, um, as personal as this psalm is, and it, and it refers to the psalmist as he talks about this, uh, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and as he gets to the benefit part of it, uh, he focuses on, on, on himself. He's preaching to himself. He's talking to himself. The uh, pronoun there is in the singular. And so as he talks about who pardons all your iniquities, he's, he's talking to himself. He's talking to his soul. And, and yet, as 
personal as this is and as singular in some aspects as this psalm is, yet it's meant for each one of us here today who know these benefits, who know what it means to, to have our sins pardoned, uh, to, to sing together, to worship together as we exhort ourselves to enter into this, this time of worship. And so again, he focuses on the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God who extends his love and mercy to his people. And he starts off with, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And, and as Alan Ross writes in his, his uh, commentary, he says, Bless has a distinct meaning of expressing joyful gratitude uh, as on enrichment from God. It's what God, this is a result of what God is doing. We are blessing him because God has blessed us, as we see in uh, Psalm 5, verse 12. For it is you who blesses the righteous, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. So here we have it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Uh, Again, it focuses on the Lord and his holy name. Uh, The name signifies all that he is in his his nature, all that he is in in the things that he does, his activity, as we're going to look at in the main portion of the center portion of this passage. Holy, again, summarizes the the utter uniqueness of God uh, as separated from his creatures. He is the creator. He's holy. He is far above all things, as we see at the end where he says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. He is holy. And that's what he's saying. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all of his benefits. So he's again exhorting himself to remember the self-exhortation. Again, the benefits, the gracious and charitable deeds of God. All that God has done for us. Uh, as uh, Alec Matier says, he says they are the full sufficiency for every need. Uh, the benefits um, that God has given to us because of his, his grace. So he's saying, bless the Lord. He's exhorting himself, bless the Lord. And also, do not forget, remember. Remember all these benefits. And it's something, again, where he's preaching to himself in the midst of all this. Uh, one of the things that, that I, I remember back in my uh, Bible college days is reading a, a, a book by uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, called Spiritual Depression. And in that, he focused on, on Psalm 42, where he asked the question, uh, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so discouraged? Why are, why are you so disquieted within you? What, your soul, what is going on within you? Uh, and, and one of the things that was, I found helpful was, was that... Uh, Dr. Jones said, uh, we need to preach to ourselves and not let ourselves preach to us. See, in the course of our everyday life, we are preaching messages to ourselves. We, we think about it. We, we, sometimes we don't even think about it. We're just letting messages come, whether it's uh, bitterness starting to rise up within us, whether it's self-pity, whether it's discouragement, whatever it might be, pride, whatever it might be. And so at any given moment, we are saying, wait a minute, what am, what am I doing? I'm allowing myself uh, in an undisciplined fashion to be thinking about things that are contrary to the gospel, contrary to the truth of God's word. Even though, even though there are times when, when things of discouragement happen and we're, we're thinking about it, and it might even be legitimate times of, of sorrow, yet even in the midst of those times, we are to remind ourselves of these wonderful truths that we see here within the scriptures. And so what we see are five of the benefits that are laid out before us. The first one is that he pardons 
all of our iniquities, who pardons all of our iniquities. We see this in many places in scriptures, even in Psalm 32, Psalm 51, where where David is crying out for forgiveness because of his sins and they're overwhelming him and, and yet he cries out for mercy and all of the mercy and the forgiveness that he has, again, is focused upon the fact that the Lord is loving, has loving kindness and compassion upon those of his people. And so that is the focus. We see um, that there is forgiveness of sins and, and one of the great things about this especially is as if the psalmist... Uh, is reminding himself to um, remember, not forget, all of these benefits, how much more for those of us who are looking back, who have put our faith in Christ, who, who understand the good news of Jesus Christ, as we look back through the cross, through this time, we can say, how much more should we remind ourselves of the great benefits and the blessings that we have because of Jesus Christ. This passage of Scripture screams the gospel of Jesus Christ as we look at it. The forgiveness of sins. We know that there would be no forgiveness of sins if it weren't for God's great love and His mercy toward us. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is through Him and through Him alone that we can have the assurance of the the forgiveness of our sins and the assurance of eternal life. It is through Christ alone. And so he says, who pardons all of our iniquities. And, and the idea of pardon even acknowledges the fact that there's guilt, right? If we, need, if we need a pardon, it means that we're guilty. And we all stand condemned. We all stand guilty before God. And yet it is through his great love and mercy that was poured out um, through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that you and I can exalt ourselves to remember he pardons all of my iniquities, all of my iniquities have been pardoned. Who heals all of your diseases. This is most likely a parallel statement and, uh, to, the, to the pardons all of our iniquities. Uh, and I know that there are people who take this and they, they expand it and they, they make it say th- or mean things that, that uh, are, are unbiblical. Uh, is the fact that if you're not healed, that you don't have enough faith and, and all of those things. Uh, that, that's not what he's saying here at all. Um, what he is talking about, though, is especially as he, he looks at this, is that uh, many times the idea of healing and, and diseases are associated in, in some fashion with sin. And, and oftentimes, uh, even as we see in the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant, what was the sign of, of covenant blessing? If you obey me, if you keep my word, if you worship me alone, then I will, I will bring blessing, I will bring health and, and prosperity to you. But if you go after the gods of the nations, if you fail to... Follow me. If you fail to worship me, I will bring all of the diseases that that I brought upon the nations. I will bring judgments upon you as I did the other nations. And that's one of the things we we see happening as Israel would turn away from God. He would bring judgments upon them so that their hearts and minds might be turned back to him. And he might bring them to repentance, that he might restore his blessing upon them. And we see this in other places as well. And even in Jesus' ministry, as he comes and he begins to preach the gospel of the kingdom, uh, healing was oftentimes associated with the ministry that he had and and, and was to indicate that that the power of his kingdom had already now been introduced, that already now was present. But yet, what we realize is that not the fullness of it, is that that will be a day yet to come when 
as we read in Revelation 21.4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no, no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. For the first things have passed away. That is a future. We already experience the, the covenant blessings of our, our Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done through His life, death, and resurrection, the forgiveness of sins, the hope of eternal life. But the fullness of that won't come until we are with Him forever. Um, so, But we also know who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, uh, who uh, rescues us from destruction, uh, the Septuagint here translates the, the word for pit as corruption. The corruption that comes from sin. It can be Sheol, the place of the dead, the grave. Um, James Montgomery Boyce says it's, it's from the brink of death that he rescues us, he redeems us. That idea of redemption has the idea of a payment of a price, that there has been a price that has been paid, that it was costly to bring us, uh, to redeem our lives from the pit, and we see this again focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Focusing again on the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He, this word loving kindness is such a, uh, it's a marvelous word. It has a different translation, loyal love, faithful love, steadfast love, love that's expressed in, in kind deeds towards us. And it is a, a word that is uh, associated with the covenant-keeping God. And he's compassionate as well. He shows mercy, um, not humiliation. Even though we are sinners, even though we have uh, sinned against God, and yet we see all the benefits of what God has done for us. Um, we, we don't receive the humiliation, but undeserved honor and blessing that He gives to us. Um, undeserved. We, don't, we can't earn it. Uh, we don't deserve it. It's much like what we see in Psalm 23.6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then the last benefit that he, he brings up, who satisfies your years with good things or your desires with good things. The psalmist says in another place, in Psalm 90, verse 14, Oh, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. It's that satisfaction, looking to him and seeing that, that all of the things of this world will, will pale in, in comparison to, to being able to satisfy the deepest resources of our soul only god can do that we were made for him and only he can satisfy us in those deepest needs that we have and the deepest wants and he says so that your youth is renewed like the eagle and many of you are probably thinking of the passage in isaiah where it talks about something similar even youths grow weary and tired right but the lord doesn't the lord's He's mighty and powerful, and He renews the strength, both spiritually and physically. These are the benefits that we have, the encouragement of our souls. And uh, what we see then in the section, the, the, the main section of this is that, uh, we'll move through this pretty fast here, is that David um, anchors all of these blessings and all the benefits that we have in the 
activity of God, the, the person of who, who he is, his, his nature and his character, and, and his work. It's what God does. So, so as you would go through, look, uh, through verses 16 to 18, you're going to see that the activity of what is taking place here is what God does. God does it. And we are the beneficiaries of it. First of all, the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgment for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. So we see there's God is revealing his, his love and kindness. It is God who is, who is revealing his righteous deeds. He performs his righteous deeds and judgment to all who are oppressed and to all who are in slavery. He's the, the God of the, the fatherless. He is the God of widows. He is the, the protector of, of the underprivileged, as we see in scriptures. And also those who are in slavery, as Israel was. And he reveals himself to Moses primarily, again, as he reveals himself as a God. The Lord is gracious, or compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. This was the, the very truth that he revealed to Moses as after Israel had sinned against the Lord in the golden calf episode in, in Exodus. Um, God wants to destroy them. Moses intercedes for them. And as they're on the mountain, Moses looks to him and says, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And what he does is he causes all of the goodness to pass in front of Moses and he proclaims something similar. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. This is the great truth that we need to remind ourselves over and over. It is because of these gospel truths that we can exhort ourselves with confidence to bless the Lord, O my soul. So why are you worried? So why are you disquieted within you? So why are you angry? Or whatever it might be that, that maybe you struggle with and, and remind ourselves of these truths. It is because of God's grace and His kindness toward us that we can exhort ourselves to worship the Lord in the midst of our circumstances. And then we have these wonderful truths. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. There is a day in which the Lord will bring judgment upon the unrighteous and punish sin. But then the truth that we see in verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. Can we say amen to that? I mean, my goodness, none of us would survive. None of us could stand in the presence of the Lord. We all deserve His condemnation. We deserve the wages of our sin, which is death. But we see in Scripture, because of God's grace through Jesus Christ, through His life and His death and resurrection, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel brought out for us as we fill in the, the blanks here for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. So here we see again the immeasurable distance that God sets between us and our sins because of the, the work of Christ, because of His atoning work. I love this, this word in, in verse 11 where it says, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. Uh, again, in, in uh, Alec Macher. Uh, Psalms of the day, he says this about uh, that word. Uh, His committed love prevails. 
The same word is used of the flood, uh, flood waters in Genesis chapter 7, verse uh, 18 to 20, uh, irresistibly covering the earth and swamping over every opposition. Just so, his love is always there, overarching and his active force fighting like, uh, like an armed man on our side, irresistibly sufficient for every opposition and eventuality. God will prevail. His loving kindness, his, his forgiveness is so great. His loving kindness towards those who fear him is that it will overcome all enemies, all opposition against his beloved and those who are his people. And then he brings the idea of a compassionate father. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. The compassionate father, the image that we have to endear, uh, bring endearment to our hearts towards our, our heavenly father who uses oftentimes that the idea, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him, encouraging us to come to him and make requests? For he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. He knows that we are weak. He knows that we are frail. Uh, as for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, he flourishes. His temporary is transient. We all know that there are a certain amount of days that we will live and then we will be no more. We'll, we will die unless the Lord returns before then. But when the wind has passed over, it, it is no more and its place acknowledges it no longer. But, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. In contrast to the transient nature of life, the frailty we have here, the consistency, the constancy of God's loving kindness it's from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children. The promise of God's mercy and grace to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. So if you want to know what it is to experience God's grace and his mercy, his loving kindness, what we see here is you just all you have to do is keep his covenant. Right? Remember his precepts to do them. So just go out. That's the, is that the message you want today? Keep his commandments, right? Um, keep his covenant. Do them. We can't. We fail to keep God's covenant. We fail to keep God's covenant. As a matter of fact, God's, God's commandments, his covenant is revealed in, in the, the stipulations of the, of the Ten Commandments. And none of us can keep it. His commandments are there as this, this impersonal force that, that is a revealer of the, the nature and the character of God, that he is holy, that he is perfect, and says, do these things and do not do these things. And if you do not do the things he says to do or you do the things he says not to do, all the law does is, is point its finger at us as, con as we're condemned. It doesn't come along and say, you know what, I, I really feel bad for you. I know you're having a bad day. I'm going to let that one slide. It doesn't say that. It just says, lawbreaker, Guilty. You deserve condemnation. But what it also does is it reveals the sinfulness of our sin to our souls as it points us to one who kept the covenant perfectly. Jesus Christ. He never sinned. 
He never sinned. He perfectly kept the law of God. And because he kept the law of God, he could offer himself as a perfect sinless sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins so that whoever believes in him, trusts in him, has eternal life and the assurance, uh, uh, the forgiveness of sins and assurance of eternal life. That is the focus of, of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the most transforming truths that I learned that, that made a, a huge difference in my life was realizing uh, that it was more than just Jesus dying for our sins. That, that is a central part of dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. But every bit as important is that he, through his perfect active obedience, earned for us what we lacked and could not gain or earn for ourselves, and that is the perfect righteousness that God demands. Jesus did that. So that through his life, his obedience, through his death, we have a perfect gospel message of the forgiveness of sin. He provides everything that we lack. And because of these great, glorious truths, we have the exhortation now expands to um, the angels and to all creation. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you his works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So today, in light of all that the Lord has done through providing the great salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, it should affect how we live our lives. Again, I used to think that the gospel was something that we believed in once and it kind of I didn't think of it quite like it, but it kind of gets us in the door, and then, then we're just to, to live the life. You know, We're just to, to obey God and do, do everything. And, and when I realize that the gospel isn't just a one-time thing, it is an everyday thing. It is something that we need to remind ourselves constantly, day in and day out through the course of our day, and exhort ourselves. Now, don't forget. Don't neglect. Remember all the benefits that we have. He pardons all your iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. And he satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the evil eagles. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Preach these glorious truths to yourself. Remember them. And then grow in in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as we meditate on day and night. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the gospel truths that we see, seeds of of the person and the work of Jesus Christ that we see in this psalm. And Lord, as we look back on it, we know that, that that Christ has fulfilled all that this psalm represents. And Lord, we thank you for the confidence that we have that we can know the forgiveness of our sins and and the assurance of eternal life all because of your grace and all because of your demand for justice was satisfied through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us throughout the course of our day never to forget. Help us always to remind ourselves of these glorious truths that we might walk before you that we might grow in our affections for you and walk in obedience to the truth that we see in your word. We pray for the glory of your great name and for the good of your church. In Jesus' name, amen.